Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. The conclusion of Less Than Full. I have loved this series. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving last week? You guys eat way too much. I don't know about y'all, but like there was a point where I was like, this is sinful. Like I shouldn't keep eating. I know. Like you ever, and maybe this is just me. Don't judge me for this thought. I know you guys are going to, but that's okay. Um, I have this thought anytime I eat that much where I'm like, you, you, in history, did you study the Romans where they would like eat and then they would have this room where they would go and they would throw up in and they'd go back and eat more. Did you guys ever study that? And then there was a moment when I was eating Thanksgiving that I was like, and that makes sense. Like, you know, like I understand this and I get it now. Like when you hear it in history class, you're like, that's disgusting. Who would do that? Four plates in, you're like, I need one of those things. Like this makes, I understand. So um, had a great Thanksgiving. Um, last night was not good. If you're a Tigers fan, if you're an AM fan, congratulations. I guess you guys finally got one on us. Um, so we'll just pray and leave it at that. Dear God, thank you so much for today. I pray that as we jump into this, I pray, God, that you do what only you can do. I pray that you would just speak to us, God, that it would be your words and not my words, that we would have a moment where we encounter you, Jesus, that we would get closer to you and closer to people. Thank you, God, that you desire for us to live a full life, and I pray that today we would take one step more into living that full life. In Jesus' precious name, <clears throat> amen and amen. So last week, we did grateful. The week before, we did hopeful. We talked about living a full life the first week. And then this week, as we conclude, we're talking about meaningful. What does it look like to live a meaningful life? Maybe you're like me, where you've asked the question to yourself, is what I'm doing matter? Is my life actually matter? Does it mean something more than just right now? Have you ever had that thought where you lay in bed at night and you think, at the end of all of me, Will any of this carry on? I only have two fears in life, and I'll, be, I'll share them with you. I'm not scared of spiders. I'm not scared of snakes. I'm a Cajun, so those things are just kind of akin to me. But, like, I'm not. The only thing I am really scared of is two things. One is, like, my son Eli says, you're scared of losing me. I'm scared of losing my children. Yes, I would pray that I never lost my children, okay? And two, I am deeply afraid of living a life that doesn't matter. I'm deeply afraid of one day dying and people in 10 years after I die go, remember Christian? And someone just goes, no, who is that guy? Like, that, that troubles me. I lay in bed at night and that messes with me, thinking is what I'm doing carrying on to future generations. I love these quotes that I found when I'm beginning to study what does the meaning of life look like. There's actually a poem called The Dash, and the whole dash is about the dash in between the start dates and end dates on your, on your tombstone. I know it's probably weird. When I was in high school, I lived next to a graveyard, and I really enjoyed, like, just walking through the graveyard. Like, I would go, like, on, on these runs, and I would just walk through there, and I would look at the dates on here, and sometimes they have little snippets of people's lives on there and the amazing things that they've done, and they fought in World War I and World War II, and, you know, they had this many children. And you begin to look and think of how much life is squeezed in between that little dash, those two dates on a tombstone. But it really is that dash that defines the meaning of our lives Johann Wolfgang said, the man who is born with a talent which he is meant to use finds his greatest happiness in using it. Maybe that's the meaning of life. Maybe the meaning of life is finding out what our greatest talent is, what we're really, really good at, and then doing that a lot. I have a brother who we were having a conversation one day and asked him, hey, you know, what things fulfill you? What things make you feel like you're doing something that makes a difference? And he said, Christian, when I play music, when I play music, it's the closest I've ever felt to God. It's, it's the time where I feel like I'm doing everything I was supposed to be doing my whole life. 
And, and when he said that he's far from the Lord, so when he said it, I just thought maybe he's, maybe he's high because that wouldn't be uncommon. And it didn't really make sense. But what I realized is what he was saying is when I'm operating in the gifting that God created me to operate in, it's the most fulfilled that I ever feel. And I believe that's a God desire. This next quote from Nelson Henderson I love. The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. And I think that's the thought that troubles me. The thought of is what I'm doing, planting a tree for my children, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren. That one day they will sit under a tree that I have planted, that you have planted, and reap the benefits of the life that we lived. I believe that living a life of meaning is more than just living a life for us. It is living a life for those who are yet to come. There's always a world system of finding meaning and God's system of finding meaning. The world, actually, I was reading this article that the, the University of California at Berkeley put out, and it was their psychology magazine of how to find a meaningful life. Things that they have compiled from reading Buddha and reading the, all of these different religions and compiling what their guide to finding a meaningful life is. And I thought it was good. Some of it is actually really good stuff. A lot of it's taken from the Bible, actually. They just don't realize it. Number one, they said, in order to live a meaningful life, you must belong. Belong. That's not belong. Belong. You must belong. What does that mean? It means find your people. How many of you know what find your people means? In, in Louisiana, that's what we say. We say find your people. It's like I'm in the club. I got my people with me, like the baddest people in the city, and I keep them with me. Like y'all never heard that song because y'all are from Louisiana. That's okay. We had this song, and it's like you got your people with you. Like I got my people. It's find your people. When you belong to something, it gives you meaning, they say. That maybe if you could find your people and you could find your click. Come on, you know what it's like when you roll up in somewhere and you got your people with you. You ever walk in and you just think like, if they only knew how bad we were. If they only, don't look at me, lady, at Olive Garden. You don't even know how bad I am. Just, you ever have those moments? You walk in, girls, I know. You'll, you'll try and act like you don't think it when you walk in and y'all are primmed up and just like walking in, crushing it. And just like, hey, and you're just blowing guys off. Like, I don't know you. They're like, I'm your dad. You're like, oh, hey, dad, sorry about that. I, just, I was in the zone. I just was feeling myself. And when you feel good and you got your people with you, it brings an added sense of meaning. It brings an added sense of confidence to who you are. Number two, they said you got to find your purpose. Your purpose. I call it find your fit. Your purpose. The world has different ways of finding what your purpose is. Most people, 85% of people they say that live on this earth do not know what their purpose is. Think about that. They will live their whole life and never discover what their purpose is. They'll go into a job, they'll, they'll be an accountant, or they'll, they'll be a lawyer, or they'll, they'll work at the, the, the oil field, or they'll do something and never actually find out what they were created to do. They'll just do what they ended up doing. I have one of my best friends who's an awesome guy, and he's an accountant, and I'll ask him all the time, and he's a CPA, I go, hey, do you like this? And, no, I hate it. I'm like, why do, you, why do you hate, why are you doing it if you hate it? He's like, well, I mean, everybody's got to do something. And I, that thought plagues me, because if you were a, a personality type like me, the thought of just doing something makes you want to die. Like, I would rather die than do something that I hated to do. Just, 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 I, I, I would be miserable every day of my life if I wasn't living in my purpose. You know, the beauty of life is that God created each and every one of you with a purpose. He gave you something that only you can do, something that you do actually better than anybody else. It's the things that when you do them, people go, how do you make that look so easy? How is it so simple for you to do that? 
I realized in sixth grade that God created me to do public speaking. I, didn't, I would get up and do it, and I mean, people would always go, how do you get up and just do that so easy? And, and I just thought everybody did it like that. I just thought everybody could get up in front of people until I realized public speaking was 85% of people's greatest fear, that not everybody could just get up and do that. And I began to realize God created me to use this. Some of you have a voice, and you just go, I thought everybody could sing like that. And then you quickly realize everybody cannot sing like that. You got a gift. Y'all don't want to hear me sing like that, I promise, because you will be like, that is not your purpose. You need to speak and not sing. God has given each of us a gift, but we've got to find our purpose. Even the world recognizes that without finding your purpose, you will never find your fit. You'll never find out what God created you for. I love this one. They said number three ways of finding your meaning storytelling storytelling now you don't have to admit to this but how many of you ever been to an AA meeting okay I've been to an AA meeting I used to go with people I would I would go when I when my parents I was 18 they thought I was addicted to weed so they made me go to AA meetings I'm like I don't think you can be addicted to weed but okay whatever Um, and we would go in there and listen I learned very quickly I love AA meetings I think they should be like church like somebody would stand up and say hey Bill hey Bill how you doing man well, today I wanted to kill my whole family and just drink a bunch of beer and drive off a cliff. Everybody's like, that's good, Bill. It's good. I'm glad you got that out. He's like, but I'm not going to do it. I came to this meeting instead. You're like, okay, thanks. Where are you going after this meeting, Bill? <laughs> I love the vulnerability. I love the openness. I love how, and what they're saying is when you tell your story, you find meaning by giving other people hope in your story. It sounds a lot like maybe a small group. And number four, transcendence. They just rearranged the tower of the basic needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and they put transcendence on the very top. What is transcendence? Transcendence is building a legacy. Transcendence is doing something that's bigger than you, being a part of something that's bigger than you, having a handle in something that's bigger than you. It's really cool as we do this. For those of you who are this year first Sunday with us, we started eight and a half months ago. We moved from Alabama to Houston to start this church. And, and my dad is a pastor of a very large church in Louisiana. We're back there this weekend for Thanksgiving. And I'm standing there while my kids play at this big church. They had 10,000 people, four campuses. And I'm watching them play on all these swing sets and stuff. And I'm remembering when we were, they started when I was 14, when we were here. When, we were, when I was with my dad, and we, we have a much nicer setup than they did. They had these little ugly orange chairs and an old honky-tonk that Waylon and Willie used to play at in the, the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. And, and there was 150, 200 people. And I remember dad coming home every day going, I know I'm preaching better than 200 people. Like, what is, what is going on? And to watch the progression and watch the progression. And now, 20 years later, be watching my children play on swing sets at this amazing place and watching them reap the benefits of his hard work. And realizing that when you are part of building something bigger than yourself, it fulfills something. My favorite part of being back home is when my dad will ask, hey, how many of you are here, have been here since the first Sunday? And you look at the handful of people and 10,000 people, maybe 10 or 20 people that have been here since the first Sunday. And you begin to look at it and go, wow, these people paved the way for everything that you now see. So I was with a guy from our church, and he said, what does it mean? What is it, what's it like when you look at this and you see what your dad built? And I said, when I look at Valley Rise, that's what I see. I, I, I know what everybody else sees, but when I look at Valley Rise, that's what I see. Why does that fuel me? Because it's a transcendent feeling. It's being a part of something bigger than yourself. And when we feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, it fulfills something inside of us. God's ideas of a meaningful life, some of them mirror what the world's ideas of a meaningful life are. Some of them are actually very close, and I love it. We actually have just refined the language and made it our vision statement. You hear us say it all the time. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. It is all that we do. 
And I believe that it's how God desires for us to find a meaningful life. Number one, know God. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit and in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's desire is for us to find his people. Find his people. It's not just find our people. When God calls us to a family, he wants you to find your people. You can ask many people who have come into the, the, into the doors of Valley Rise and those who have stuck here. and those, it's, There are people that when they walk in, they just go, this is home. I saw you, this place and I just thought, this is my home. I saw you and I said, I've always wanted a six foot four skinny Mexican, half Cajun to be my preacher. Like, it was just like I saw, I found home. And people find home because why? Not because they found their people, but they found his people. And when you find his people, it's very different than finding your people. Because let me tell you, I was just back home. I've got some of my people that might not be his people. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe y'all didn't grow up like I grew up, but like when I go back home, all my Cajun buddies that are drinking a 12-pack a night and like hunting all day long, one of my friends asked me, why, don't, why didn't you stay in Lafayette? I'm like, because I would be 300 pounds, drunk all the time, and I would live in the field. I'd just hunt every single day of my life. Like I wouldn't do anything else. Because a lot of times our people are not his people. God desires for us to find his people, and it starts with finding him. Number two, find freedom. How do we have a meaningful life? By finding freedom. We can't ever live a meaningful life until we can get free in the areas of our lives that hold us back. I love this. We say you find freedom through small groups. Small groups is really our avenue. People a lot of times go, what is a small group? A small group is like a small AA meeting where you get together and you go, hey, let me just be honest and tell y'all what I'm struggling with. Let me tell you what our marriage is really like. We have a marriage small group that meets on Friday nights, and you should come if you're married. Don't come if you're not married. If you're married, you should come because it's amazing. Like sometimes they just, husbands and wives start going at it. And I am not the peacemaker. I'm the encourager. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, tell us what he did. He is stupid. Tell us more. How, he didn't fold the clothes. He did, did he wash the dishes? He didn't wash the dishes either. I knew it. Like I just egg it on. I'm like, let's get it all out right here. Get out the boxing ring. Let's get the gloves. We're going to throw this down right now. But I love it because it's a place where you can be real. Because if you can't be real with anyone, you can never be free. You are only as sick as your secrets. And we all need, it's why the Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. You confess your sins to God for forgiveness. You confess your sins to one another for healing. Because it takes someone sitting across from you going, hey, I understand that. I've been there too. That makes us feel like we're normal. That makes you feel that disarms the lie of the enemy that there's something different about you. That you're the only one that struggles with that. That no one has ever had that thought. That you're the only one that deals with this issue. And then you sit across the table from someone and you go, wow, you're messed up too. And you're a pastor. And I'm like, yes, that's me. Like, we all have to find freedom. Ephesians 1, 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Having your eyes of your hearts enlightened. What does that mean? It means wiping off the lens of your heart. It means finding freedom in the areas that have been clouded by things that have got on the windshield of your heart. And how do we do that? By hearing other stories. The world says share your story. God says hear other stories and realize that we're all walking through the same struggles. 
that we're all dealing with life, that life happens to us like it happens to you, like it happens to me. I've been around some of the greatest pastors in the world. Life happens to them too. Their children don't listen to them too. They deal with issues like you and me deal with. But the enemy will constantly try and tell us that we are the only person that deals with whatever we're dealing with. And it's why when you sit in a room with somebody and they go, I've got that issue too, that it disarms the lie of the enemy and immediately there's a freedom that comes to our hearts. God's desire is for us to find freedom in hearing other stories, doing life with people. Number three, discover your purpose. Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I love this verse. This is really kind of my life verse. Because in a different version, he says, my life is worth nothing unless I, don't fin- unless I finish telling the gospel, telling the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it really is how, how I feel, that, that it doesn't matter what I do unless I tell the people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's a very key word in there. It is the gospel of grace. In the other version, it says the good news. Because I grew up in church sometimes that wasn't good news. That going to church might have been God, but it really wasn't good. That I left there feeling worse about myself than when I came in. That I left there feeling further from God than closer to God. I left there feeling further from people than closer to people. And I remember sitting across a man one day, a table from a man one day, and him going, Christian, do you know why they call it the good news? And me going, why? Because it's about Jesus. He said, no, because it really is good news. That it's meant to draw us in. That the grace of God draws men unto repentance. And especially growing up in the South a lot of times, if you grew up in the South like me, maybe you got bashed with the Bible, and maybe your grandmother shamed you to church, and maybe your parents told you you were going to go to hell if you didn't do this or didn't do that. And I want to tell you today that Jesus loves you right where you are, that he's not afraid of your sin, that he's not afraid of your journey, that he wants to walk that path with you. And I think as oftentimes as the American mindset, we live our lives in these moments, I did this and now God's mad at me. I lived this way and God's mad at me. This happened and God's mad at me. I was just in Israel last year, and I love their process of the journey of walking life with God. That there's ups and downs, and there's times where you're doing really good, and there's times where things might not be so good. But the entire journey, God has you by the hand, and he's going, hey, we're going to figure this out together. Let's figure out this purpose together. Let's walk this out together. Let's do this journey together. You did great today. Hey, you know what? Today wasn't great, but we're going to get it tomorrow. Don't worry about it. I'm so grateful for a God that has a grace with me and a patience with me and a love with me. That as I find my purpose, he is so cautious to help me walk that journey out. We must find our purpose. It's why we do growth track. Growth track happens so that you can find your purpose. If you say, what is growth track? It's our process of membership classes, four classes. They happen every Sunday after church. And it really is our way of just going like, hey, how do, how do I discover what God created me to do? The people you see serving or opening the door or serving in kids or playing on the worship team, they're what we call the dream team. And the dream team are all people that have gone through growth track and they just serve because they found their purpose. That they took personality tests and, and spiritual gifts tests and said, hey, I, I think I like greeting people. I love talking to people. And then we have people that go, hey, I don't like talking to people. And we go, awesome, like do sound or do something behind the scenes. Or, we want to find out what your God-given purpose is that God assigned to only you. Because there's only one of you. And you do something better than anyone else. And then number four, make a difference. Make a difference. 
1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. I love this because... Not only because my wife has a massive tattoo of this on her side. And if you're going, Alex has a tattoo. She looks so sweet and classy. She's got like a massive side piece. Y'all don't even know, okay? When we met, y'all don't even know. I wasn't the wild one. I was very tame. I was just an angel. And she was just like, whoo, wow. Her parents are in the back laughing. They're like, if you guys only knew. Um, make a difference. We exist to build his kingdom. When we make a difference, we exist not only just to build our legacy, but we exist to build his kingdom. And here's the beauty of building with God, is that when we build his kingdom, our legacy lives on through his kingdom. That it's not just about what we did, it's about what we had a hand in building, and our legacy is able to live on through him. I love the story as I close. Maybe while you can come up, I love the story of the boy with the fish and two loaves. The boy, the story of the fish and two loaves, many of you heard the story. And, and Jesus is there. There's people that are hungry, and they come up. They say, Jesus, how are we going to feed all these people? These people have been here for days. How are we going to feed them? And Jesus goes, well, give them some food. And they're like, give them some food. We don't have anything. That's why we're asking you. You're Jesus. You get the food. And he goes, well, what is, there's a little boy walking by. What does he have? And they go, and the kid goes, listen, I got like two loaves and some bread. Like there's no, two fish and a loaf of bread. I'm, there's no way. This is going to feed 500 men, women, and children, which they say could have even been up to 5,000 because they didn't count the women and children then. And, and Jesus goes, that's cool, bring that to me. And they bring it to Jesus. And you have to imagine the disciples at some point just going like, like this is, what is he about to do with all of this? This is kind of crazy. I don't know about y'all, but if you guys were hungry and I brought a Snickers up here and I was like, cool, one Snickers, that's what we got? All right, everybody get ready. You'd be like, what is about to happen? Jesus takes it and goes, hey, Listen, we're going to pray over this, and then everybody's going to eat. Everybody's just looking at him like, Jesus, we're going to pray over this. Everybody's going to eat? We're going to pray over this. Everybody's going to eat. Okay. Prays over it, breaks it. They put it into barrels. They begin to pass it out, and it doesn't run out until everyone has eaten. I love this story because we don't really know the name of this boy. No one in here knows the name of the boy. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been telling the story about the boy and the loaves. For hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been preaching about the story of the boy and the loaves. What did the boy with the loaves do? What did he do to be written into history, to be written into eternity, to live a legacy, to leave a difference, to have a purpose that we would look back 2,500 plus years from, now, from then and talk about a little boy who was walking home from work with some fish and some loaves? What would he do? He did what God calls all of us to do, which is just bring what we have. Just bring what we have. God, I don't have much. God, I can't, I, can't, I can't really sing great, but I could stand at the front door and shake somebody's hand when they walk in. And God goes, that's all I need. If you're willing to give me your little. And I love this because as I study that story, they say that he actually was probably a slave, a Greek slave, and the food that he had probably wasn't even his, that he was probably bringing it to his master who may have been there hearing Jesus. And I love this thought because what he had wasn't even his own. Some of us, when you look at your gifts and you survey what you have, you go, God, I'm not even really good at anything. And God goes, bring anything, anything. I just want you. 
And when you pair your story, when you give what little you have to Jesus, Jesus takes it and does what only Jesus can, and you get to be written into the history of what Jesus does. That in 20 years from now, when Valley Rise is a whole different church, that there will be people that look back and go, wow, that person, I remember when they were greeting, and they were my team leader, and they taught me how to greet, and they stood at the front door with me, and that all of us are a part of building something greater than ourselves. That when we join our giftings with Jesus' story, we get to be a part of his history. That we get to be a part of his eternity. As I was writing this message, I couldn't help but think about a buddy of mine, Austin Anderson. I went to Oral Roberts University. For those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a Christian college. And, um, there were probably about six or seven of us who were veterans there. They had a little room for us. We'd hang out, and we're all, all friends. And um, Austin was a, was a stud. Man, Austin was in the Marines, which meant he was cooler than me because I was in the Air Force. And he was just the 6'5", jacked, blonde hair, blue eyes, just good-looking dude. I mean, just everybody loved Austin. He was smart. He was just friendly and um, was, was going to be business, wanted to be a Christian businessman. And I was sitting in my and, – and I was working a little part-time job as a security guard one day when I got – the news alert, there had been a, a plane crash, and four students from Oral Roberts had died on this plane crash. Austin had just graduated the week before. They were going to a Christian conference, and um, one of his buddies, who was a private pilot, the plane crashed. Two, the two pilots died. Um, him and a girl whose father was over the Christian conference lived. Austin got out. He went back in to get Hannah. When he went back in to get Hannah, in the process of rescuing her from this plane, burned his lungs to such an extent that once he got her and walked 100 yards to a cornfield, he laid down on the road and ended up dying there. It took him to the hospital and couldn't recover. And I remember reading this and going, God, what is, the, what is the meaning of this? If I was to survey my friends and go, which one of these people is going to do great things, I would have said, Austin's going to do great things. That guy's a stud. He's good looking. He's smart. He's sharp. He served his country. He's got a great degree. He's, what, God, what is the meaning of this? And I'll never forget God speaking to me and just going, anytime you lay down your life for the people around you, you have lived a meaningful life. Anytime you have laid down your life for the people around you, you have lived a meaningful life. What does it look like to live a meaningful life? It looks like laying our life down for a hurting and broken world. A world that at times is literally on fire and going, God, I'm just going to lay my life down for the people around me. Maybe it's the waitress at the table who last week when we're eating, I give her a card. She starts crying. She goes, you have no idea how big of a deal this is. I've been looking for a church. I've been praying that God would speak to me. I've been, and all I was doing was just asking to do what God asked me to do. I'm just going to step out. Man, I'm going to just give this card and invite her. I'm going to give her a big tip and just go, we love you, man. We're a generous church. We want to bless you. God is waiting for us to lay down our lives for a hurting and broken world. A full life like we've talked about all month is not about getting what we can get. It's about giving everything that we have. It's about giving what we have to a world around us so that God can continue to fill us up. And as he fills us up, we pour our life out to the world around us. Because here's the truth. We are God's plan. We are the rescue plan. No one else is coming. No one else is going to sh just show up and lead everybody to Jesus. No, it is his plan that we as his followers would be his hands and feet in this world. And that we would reach the broken. We would reach the hurting. We would reach the disenfranchised. We would reach those who are downtrodden. We would reach the distraught. We would reach those people. 
And when we operate like God intended us to operate, not only does it fill us up, but it becomes the most meaningful thing that we've ever done. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I'm so grateful. So grateful that your plan when you created heaven and earth wasn't just for you, it was for us. That we get to be a part of your plan. That we get to be a part of of your story. And that, God, we find our greatest meaning when we attach our lives to you and then turn around and pour ourselves out to the world that's hurting and broken. Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us through this series have learned how to live full in an area, that you've brought hope to our lives, you've brought joy to our lives, that we can be so grateful, God, for who you are and for what you've given us, and that we can leave here today and begin to walk out a meaningful life, something that lives on far long after we're gone. There is no one like you, Jesus. Thank you for letting us be a part of your plan. With every head bowed and every eye closed today as I was talking, maybe, maybe you're one of those people that goes, Christian, you talk about knowing God. I've never had that moment where I knew God. Maybe I've been in church or maybe you've been in religion or but you've never encountered a loving God who wants to have a relationship with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is just between you and Jesus. Nobody's looking. But if that's you and you say, Christian, today, I want to start that relationship. I want to know God today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up for me real quick? I'd love to pray for you. Amen. You can put your hands down. And we're going to pray this prayer, and you can repeat it after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can say it in your heart. It's between you and Jesus as long as you mean it. It's all I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming from heaven to live a perfect life on earth and then dying on a cross for me, paying my sin bill so that I could live in freedom. And then raising from the dead so that daily I could walk in victory. Today, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want my spiritual man to come to life. And I want to live a new life. Today, I commit to follow you. I commit to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, God, I just pray for each and every person who just prayed that. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would meet them. I pray that as they prayed that prayer, God, that there would be a moment where you fill their heart. God, that you do what only you can do in their lives. And that you have an encounter with them that they never forget. Bless them and keep them, God. Thank you for each and every person here. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. Hey, if you made that decision, on the back of your connection card, there's a section where you can put, I've, my decision I've made is, and you can check that, slip that in the offering bucket. Man, I would love to send you out some next steps to help you walk in your relationship with Jesus, help you take some steps that are going to get you along the journey. We're so grateful that you were here today. Thanks so much. I know that there's a lot of great places here, and it's always a risk when you come to a high school theater maybe, and you go, what in the world? Why are they meeting there? 
We're so thankful that you showed up this morning and spent it with us. Um, hey, if you brought the bags back last week, we gave out bags that we're doing to give out to kids in need around the area, Christmas gifts that we're giving out. If you have those bags, I'm supposed to tell you, they need to be brought back December Next Sunday, next Sunday, they need to be brought back. You can bring them right into the lobby. We'll have a table out there where they can collect them. We, I think we handed out all but four bags. We had like 50 bags. We had all but four. So I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are such a generous church. I'm so thankful that we get to be the hands and feet to people and that we get to continue to make a name that Valley Rises a church that doesn't exist for us, but it exists for those who are yet to come. It exists for those who are hurting and broken. It's the joy of my life. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we've got three ways that you can do that. You can give in the offering bucket. You can give online at valleyrisechurch.com, click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. Every week I say this because I want you to know my heart. This doesn't happen without you. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So I will never ask you to give anything. I always ask you, ask God, and whatever he tells you to do, we trust him. We love you guys. And my friends always, I just want you all to know, y'all are a generous church. You guys have no clue how generous of a church you are. I have friends that are planted churches all over, and they call me and they go, okay, what, you know, how'd y'all do? And what was your attendance? What was your, and a hundred times out of a hundred times, we're the most generous church in our whole friend circle. So I just want you guys to know I'm so grateful to pastor a church. Yeah, that's you guys. That doesn't happen without you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me pastor a group of people that love Jesus and love to build the local church. I'm going to pray over this offering and we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. Thank you, God, for every gift and every giver. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of your story. We get to sow into your house, God. This isn't what we're building. This is what you're building, God. And we just get to be a part of it. I just pray, God, that you would bless this, multiply it back to them a hundredfold. Let this be the most amazing week of their life, God. Bless them and keep them on children, protect them in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.